Hello and welcome to Dalal Speak Talk. I'm your host Ajitya, as always accompanied by my co-host Kausal and Mikhil. So on our very first guest podcast, we had a very interesting and enriching discussion with Professor Ugwe Chivgan. So now for our second guest, we have a very interesting and young entrepreneur, Mikhail Gonzalez, as our guest. And uh, Mikhail, welcome to Dalal Speak Talk. It's our pleasure to have you on our podcast. So uh, let's not beat around the bush. Let's just dive into what uh, what phenomenal actually does and what it is all about. Okay, firstly, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, I would like to thank Kaushal as well who got in touch with me initially. Yeah. And yes, uh, to give you a bit insights about phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal is into financial literacy and investor education. So we are currently spreading. Uh, Yeah, educating people and educating people on uh, about their finances and how they should manage it, and we cover a range of audiences right from school kids, right up to somebody who is uh, working corporate, right up to senior citizens, and we have been working on this idea for about one and a half years now. Uh, it's almost two years. It's going to be complete two years now. Uh, we have managed to reach about five thousand plus people uh, all over India. And uh, yeah, I mean we are still working hard. We are uh, doing different things that we now and then. Um, we also have a social media reach about seven thousand people, and um, uh, a lot of our in a company, a lot of us are like the average age in fact is about twenty four, twenty three, and uh, a lot of us are young. And yeah, I think that's what phenomenal is all about. It's about young people doing their part of. Uh, spreading investor education across India to everybody. Yeah. So to continue with, I would like to know about your startup journey. Cause India is not the easiest place to run a startup, and from last two to three years, you have been running a successful one, which is impressive. So, how has been your journey so far? So can you express it? Okay, so I'll give a bit about myself as well. I was never into stock markets. I was never into personal finance. Uh, as a young kid, I was a lot into playing cricket, and I was a lot into sports. So I have played under a couple of clubs before. I played under Ramakant Ashikar, sir, the late Ramakant Ashikar, sir, who used to also coach Sachin Dhankar. So I played for his club. I played for his club at Shivaji Park, and I was completely into cricket uh, in my, you know, my school days. But uh, there comes a point in time in life where you have to make tough choices. And you have to make realistic choices. So I think once I was about 16, 17, I stopped playing cricket. I got more serious with life, and I started making more serious decisions. And even at that point of time, I was like, uh, I I want to do something in relation to cricket and not really start anything else because you know uh, I done my commerce in 11, 12, and there's a notion in India that if you do commerce, you're going to become a chartered accountant. And uh, I didn't want to, you know, go down that path. Um, I started studying, started researching a lot, started seeing stuff people, and then finally came something a very different topic called stock market. And initially, I didn't have any idea about this uh, field, or I don't have any, uh, you know, forefather or any grandfather in this field. And neither do I have any person whom I know of in this field. So it just started by doing a simple Google search, and uh, Watching YouTube videos, and that's how I started building my knowledge. And um, uh, over the course of three, four years, uh, I finally realized that I couldn't, you know, couldn't really do anything except uh, being a stock market somebody who invests or trades in stock market. And uh, so, a very interesting turn in this journey came when I had to make a decision that should I do a job after graduation or should I build phenomenal. Uh, I got a job as a salesperson in an in an NBFC. I got placement from college, and uh, on the other hand, uh, we had just uh, you know started phenomenal, and uh, we had uh, a mentor, uh, a mentor, Mr. Manoj Thakke, who is uh, who was the ex vice president at NSDL. So he was offering to mentor us in our startup, and on the other hand, I had a you know a job, which probably I would have not. Done anything much about the stock market, so it was a tough decision initially. 
but uh, I made the uh, decision of going ahead with Phenomenal and building the startup. Uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was a very tough decision and the entire journey up to now has been, I think, uh, of complete ups and downs. Uh, the interesting part here is I've learned less about stock markets in my journey, but I've learned more about being a businessman and more about different fields of entrepreneurship. So when you're an entrepreneur, it's not just about doing things in your comfort zone. You have to do a lot of things. You have to be very actively involved in uh, managing the entire team, talking to people, and learning different things. You know, it's not like I only learn about stock market. You have to learn different things. I think that is what makes entrepreneurship very, very interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if, uh, even if anybody wants to get into entrepreneurship, you have to be very open-minded and open to experiment and open to different things, which I personally felt I would have never gotten to do in a job, which I anyway wasn't interested in doing. So yeah, that's how my journey has been. And I think it's just to start, it's just been two uh, years now. It's a long road, long road ahead. Yeah. Uh, so what differences you can see in your startup journey, like pre-COVID and post-COVID? Okay, pre-COVID, uh, the revenues of phenomenon was zero. No, we were not. We were not. We were completely blank because uh, we just started. We were very young, and we were building our products, and uh, we had no network. So obviously, you know, when you are starting a business, you need to have a very strong network. You need to have very good products, and you know, you have to be at it completely, which was not the case. But. Uh, once COVID took place, it was like, you know, you could say a final nail in the coffin where, you know, we were anyways in zero revenues and we had no clients. In fact, the worst part is uh, in COVID stuck in there around March 2020. Towards the end of Feb, we had got our first major client and it was one of the top reputed financial institutions. Uh, we had wrote them in as a client and we just going to start work with them. And then the lockdown and everything took place. So things got postponed. So I think the period from March right up till August was very, very, you know, uh, very tough because uh, we don't have a lot of employees. But you know, you have, you have to pay employee salary. Uh, you have to do something that you know keeps your business growth. Up. And that is not happening. Finally, from September onwards, we started booking clients. First, we started working with the institution which we were supposed to work with in March. And uh, then slowly, slowly, uh, we automatically started building our client base. And uh, I think that, that's how it grew. And even even right now, we are, we are not in a post-COVID world. Today, world. And unfortunately, the lockdown which has been announced yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, uh, COVID is been a tough time for a lot, for a lot of people. Uh, and even our business is nothing different, but uh, I think uh, because of the right team that we have built, and uh, I have to give a lot of credit to my co-founder as well, who has put in a lot of efforts. And I think, yeah, we've done a good job till now, but like I say, always say that there's a long road ahead. So I would just like to add one thing, or I would like to take a follow-up question that uh, we know that in a uh, startup, and that too in financial sector, uh, your team matters a lot. Uh, and so how do you look up uh, finding the right people? Because as you said, that uh, network was very low because of <laughs> the age what we have. So how you were able to get the right people for to do the right job? Okay, so see, uh, you never get the right person at the first go. And it is not easy to find the right people at the first go. So let's say you want to hire a graphic designer, okay? This is example. Oh. Hmm. Uh, you're not going to get the best graphic designer in the market. Right. You have to have enough knowledge to mentor a graphic designer. So that is where I say entrepreneurship is very you know, dynamic. I had to build my knowledge in terms of graphic designing. Not like I had to learn graphic designing, but I had to build enough knowledge so I could mentor my graphic designer. So that is, that's how the stuff, initially it is very tough to hire the right people. But uh, over a period of time, you understand, you know, which is the right person for a company and which is not the right person. So currently, we also have about 10 trainers across okay. India, 10 educators, we call them educators, 10 educators across India. 
uh, when we initially hired these people, uh, we did we, we asked them five simple questions on mutual funds, and uh, we just looked at how well they're speaking and how well they engage with the audience. And uh, in fact, there is one trainer on board with us who's barely 24 years. So we are also, you know, fostering young people in our companies. And we also have people who are probably, I think one of our trainers almost completing age 60. So we open to a lot of people uh, when, when it comes to hiring employees. But coming back to question, question of hiring, initially you want to face a lot of uh, tough decisions because uh, if you're a young startup, right? And you yeah. hire people, it's not like you're going to pay them a lot of salary. Because initially, you don't have the capacity to do so. So, you have to find somebody who's also willing to learn and experiment a lot. So, it is tough initially, especially for a new startup. So, we managed to do it well. And I think oh, we are blessed that way to have a good team and an encouraging team. So, put in their efforts and want to build phenomenal. Okay. It was like a great thing to have because uh, I don't know a few of your uh, team members. So I think you were able to get a uh, few of the learners, best learners, I would say. Uh, so now I would like to ask the question, as we know, the uh, pandemic era when the economy was going down, but the markets were hitting all-time high. And I think it majorly took off because of the uh, retail participation or, or what we say as a uh, liquidity boost in the market. As we know, around 60 lakh new parties and demand accounts were opened in this pandemic era. So how do you look at that uh, point as new participation just coming in and the markets are going at all-time high versus the real economy? Okay, I will tell you a bit about this. Uh, like I think most of us already know that uh, since last year, right, once COVID struck, there was a brief period where the market fell a lot. And then suddenly the market started picking up a lot, you know, and it's yeah. hitting all-time highs. And yeah. there was uh, every time there was some headlines in news that uh, demand account openings are at an all-time high. The new demand accounts are opening and all those things. Now, you see, you need to understand a couple of things, right? The first thing is the demand account openings are on a high, no doubt. But the realistic question you have to ask is. Once the market starts falling, it's not like the markets will always go on top. There'll be a time where we enter in a bear phase. So do you think the people who entered at that point in time are still going to be around? If you ask me, I don't think so. In good times, they like to be with the market. But bad times, very, very less people are actually invested in the market. So if you look at the inactive accounts, okay, the inactive accounts, the data on inactive accounts on the NSDL or the CDSL website, there are a lot of inactive accounts. So a lot of people just open their accounts to buy a few shares and they don't even know and they don't even bother. Because they either, you know, lost money or it is just a dormant account. So people have to be educated that, uh, you know, if you're investing, you need to invest first in the long term. So even in 2020, in March 2020, a lot of traders entered the market. A lot of traders were looking for short-term profits. Mm-hmm. I'm not against trading, but I believe a lot of people without knowledge are entering the market. And if you're going to enter with more knowledge or half knowledge, it's only going to cause some trouble. So I think that was a major issue which happened globally. So I, I'm sure most of you will be knowing Nitin Kamar, uh, the founder of Zeroda. Uh, in one of the articles, I think recently, he said 90% of traders in Hiroda, they make losses. So, what I think is retail participation is going high, but what I feel is a lot of people with half knowledge or zero knowledge are entering, which for the short term might look very good, but in 10 to 15 years down the line, it might not sound very good, and you will have a lot of inactive accounts. Mm-hmm. One more people are educated. More and more people are educated about how you invest and how you face market trends than the bearish ones. I think that percentage of inactive accounts will be quite less as what we expect. So, so uh, basically, you are saying that the money that has uh, currently entered the market is uh, not smart money. Basically, retailers just following a trend and 
the trend obviously won't last uh, much right yes yeah Okay, so now on that part, as we know that uh, India is a very highly populated country with around one lakh thirty crores of population, and versus even we if we compare this uh, new demand account opening, then to we are at around five crores uh, rough estimate. So how do you think the growth will? As you are working in the financial literacy segment, so you actually know uh, how people are educated in this segment, and what do you see the future growth of? Uh, part, retail pa- participation in the market will grow at so the retail participation in my opinion is just going to go up and up there's no doubt about that because uh, a lot of like i speak to a lot of people i have a lot of friends from the science background from engineering background and from backgrounds who probably would even imagine so they they come up and ask me you know that we have earned this much money from our salary how do we invest in stock markets or yeah. how do we invest in mutual funds so the retail participation is definitely going to going to be on the rise and uh, there's no hiding in that and uh, i personally feel that uh, with the huge population that we have right uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of scope of growth for a lot of companies who are in the finance industry especially the stock market industry you could mm-hmm. say brokers you could say uh, companies like myself who is into education and training uh, probably companies like uh, Uh, you know who are into stock broking i feel a lot of these people will help in you know creating a wider distribution and uh, creating ultimately leading the growth of uh, the economy and the stock markets so retail participation is going to be a rise but like i said it's important that good money and smart money enters the market not money or people with just half knowledge or no knowledge because such kind of money will just from the markets after the short term in the long period of time this thing won't last as i'm saying so just to you know uh, a little follow up on your last statement you say you say that you know smart money has still yet to enter the market the, the current you know retailers are just traders and speculators who just want to ride the wave so my question is that uh, how far do you think india is in these terms like uh people will open demat account just to invest uh not to trade not to speculate or not just you know because someone has told me demat khol ke rakho so for investing mindset how, how long do you think it will take india or india to build this kind of uh, mindset just a whole path to get building such a mindset is firstly not easy Because yeah, see, you know, we are a population of 130 crore, and if you do the bifurcation of population, there are still a lot of people who do not have bank accounts. मतलब stock market तो थोड़ा दूर की बात है. A lot of people still don't have bank accounts. A lot of people are still below poverty line. A lot of people are still not that educated. So these are the people who contribute a huge percentage of our entire country. I mean, you, you might be knowing the, uh, from the entire population of India, barely, I think, two to three percent people invest in the stock market. Yeah, that's a very small number, and the number will be small, and it's going to be small for a long period of time because of the reasons I mentioned initially that a lot of our country is uh, is into people who still don't have you know, bank accounts or still not educated. You know? Being financially educated is a different thing, but being educated. A lot of these people are still not educated, mm-hmm. so I think the first step is to firstly educate people in the right way, help make sure that uh, a lot of these bank accounts are open. So I'm also sure you guys know about Janda Yojana, yeah, Pradhan Mantri Janda Yojana, so you know, yeah. for people who can open bank accounts. So read about Janda Yojana more. A lot of the accounts in uh, Janda Yojana are inactive themselves, so people in the villages. Or you know, people in right in the rural areas, they're still not using bank accounts. They have opened accounts, but they don't use it actively. <laughs> so that is okay. the major problem. And if until we don't solve these small issues, we won't be seeing stock market retail participation going on top. Yes, you'll get money via mutual funds a lot. You might get some money coming from uh, stock markets. And I personally feel the mutual fund industry is going to grow a lot. Uh, if you ask me, stock market industry may take some time. 
more than it will uh, yeah another point i like another point i like to add to that as well is yeah i personally get a lot of messages on on phenomenal instagram on on my personal linkedin that uh, you know will yes bank go on top will this xyz company go on top how many shares do i buy uh, mm-hmm. there's one person who recently asked me a question that find this 2 3 lakh rupees how much will become in next one year can expect to become 10 lakh okay. So, people need to understand firstly that all this comes into something called as trading or investing. Like, yeah, big differences between trading and investing. If you ask me honestly, mm-hmm. I have I have been part of both these things. I started trading at when I was sixteen, and when I completed twenty, I was into investing. If you ask me honestly, does trading really work? Can you make money with trading? I personally think yes, you can make money. Number two. Should somebody actually start trading money? I personally feel trading is not everybody's cup of tea. If you're yeah. trading, you shouldn't be somebody who has. You can't expect to be a part-time trader. You know, like some people think they'll do a nine-to-five job, and nine-to-five ke job ke beech mein they will uh, put few trades and they make two thousand rupees every day, and they'll become rich. So if it was so easy, right? Everybody would be rich, and there'd be no poor people. First, so, trading is. For me, as a youngster, it helped me a lot in understanding the market dynamics. Like I don't in, never never intended to make a lot of money in trading. Or, you know, I wanted to learn a lot of things, and I got that. But if you're somebody who is you know much older, let's say twenty-five, thirty, expecting to generate income from trading is not a is not a cakewalk. It's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people also think a lot of people also think that in fifty thousand, we can trading for money and make a lot of money. It is not possible. Because of course, a lot of money goes into brokerages and all this, all this stuff. Yeah. Have a long, have a long-term approach. Even if you want to trade, make sure, make sure that you actually get the full-time trading and understand. Because if you look at the stats, there are only one or two percent people who actually make money with trading. And trading requires you to have a lot of qualities as well. You have to be somebody who's very patient. You have to have a good mind. I mean, it's not that you have a good mind. Uh-huh. Today, if you tell me, you tell me to see a loss of twenty thousand rupees, I can't see it. Maybe somebody else can, but I personally can't see it. So, I mean, so a person should ask themselves if they are capable enough or they have the right mindset to enter into trading, and then only enter into such things. And there's nothing such as quick money. You can't make quick money in stock market. You need to understand that. <laughs> And so we know that the majority of the retail participants, and mostly in India, it's like majorly it works on the a tip basis. Many people don't actually like to put the effort or their study behind the financials, or even in trading, and I would say even in investing. People like to just believe if one person says buy X Y Z and they just jump in. So how do you feel that people should like care is okay? Like uh, hearing to someone like buying some. uh buying on some tip is not like very bad but of course you should have some plan of action like if you are one like and you are completely investing on someone's advice that's particularly very wrong so how do you suggest as a new player if a newbie is coming into trading and he is completely a non financial background and he is completely starting on an advice basis on a tip basis so how would actually you say he should work on going forward The first thing is never get into taking advice from people or taking tips from people. If you want to take advice and tips, take from the right people. Take from a financial advisor. Don't take it from a friend or don't take it from the family members, because your friends and family members will not be responsible if you make loss, but your financial advisor will be, and you're going to pay a financial advisor for the advice. You're not going to pay a friend or family member for advice. So firstly. The first step should be of understanding the tips and you know all these advices are not going to take anywhere. For a beginner from non-financial background, like I said, if let's say you have gone to learn for fifteen years, number one point which I also initiate a mistake: never invest all your money at one go. Okay, you should be having an SIP, Smart Investing Plan. Which you do every month or every quarter or every week. Invest in intervals. Don't invest all the money in one go. That's one. Number two, you have to 
reinvesting in index funds and that is like that must be seen don't ask any expert to ask anybody in fact you know index funds is a very not to controversial but it's a very non popular product among people because it is not promoted much by the entire industry you don't need to speak about index funds a lot in the industry because of, of course because of obvious reasons that index funds have very low expense ratio so yeah. investment companies won't really earn a lot of money by selling index funds but retail investors can actually benefit a lot by investing in index funds itself so there are a lot of people okay who who know all these financial statements who understand all these things they still invest in index funds i personally invest in index funds so you have to have a very you know open mind in investing just in your business and um, yeah so next the third point is never uh never put all your eggs in one basket uh, i think you know it's a very common quote that you put all your eggs in one basket if you and the basket does fall you want to use all the eggs make sure you invest in different financial products uh as a beginner you might be interested only in stock markets you frankly you know how in investing money in fixed deposit also fixed deposit is also a good financial instrument but that is only for safety you can't expect returns from that so you need to ha- strike a balance between equity and debt basically so yeah we will uh, come to that proper financial planning how one should diversify into each basket or like insurance nfds everything but i think that that uh, part will be taken up by mikhil i just want to hear about your opinion uh, about investing Uh, in the market or in any stock at you know this level and these valuation valuations and what the current scenario is you know playing out like so do you think investing right now is a uh, a good decision or we should uh, put off the put off our investing decisions for a few months or by a few weeks okay so i think you get a lot of theoretical answers you ask anybody about this particular question okay if you ask anybody they will tell you one thing you never invest at high valuations you should always sell at high valuations and buy at low valuations if you ask me honestly investing current times is no harm okay no harm in it because abhi kya hota na ki if you say high valuation and the markets go even further on top then you will miss out on that yeah so to be honest with you what i have learned from my personal experience there is nothing such as high valuation or low valuation if you look at tesla you know look at the pe of tesla yeah everyone is saying it is high valuation high valuation mm-hmm. it's okay but the stock is at first we going on top which created recently but the stock was still going on top for a long period of time so yeah. what the right method in my opinion is to do at high valuations at any valuations in fact you should always have some cash with you You should not invest your entire money. You should have let's let's say if you have one lakh rupees to invest, you should have at least twenty thousand with you separately, so you can invest when the markets come down. That's one thing. Also, if you have SIPs, SIPs should definitely go on. It doesn't matter the valuations. If it's high valuation, low valuation, the SIPs should continue. And just because the valuations are high, doesn't mean you sell. Because if you have the valuation will be high according to you. But according to you, it doesn't mean the market will judge that valuation. Then the prices can go higher. So stay invested if you feel the business is good. The business in a portfolio is very good. Valuations, valuation, valuations will not matter. Valuations matter when you have to buy a particular stock, not when you already invested. You will not understand these things. So let's say you know the valuation is skyrocket, and you're Then going and investing entire one lakh rupees, that's foolish. But let's say you know there's a, the valuation to add side offered, but it is putting let's say five thousand rupees. Now putting your entire money, just put five thousand. You want to see how you're testing the waters basically. You're not going all in. You're just testing the waters. So definitely investing high valuation. Make sure you invest little amount, just the small portions. Don't go all in. That's the number one. That's the one rule which I personally follow because. You cannot judge what the right valuation is. Markets don't go according to our judgment. Markets go according yeah. to judgment of many people. 
so basically you are saying that you know at these valuations it's good to have a cash buffer so you can always buy low when things goes out and as far as you know as far as you know always they always say that quality always prevails doesn't matter if the business is good to hell with the market to hell with the valuation the, the you will get your return correct sir yeah yeah i i i completely agree with you yes yeah, so to move forward uh, since we have uh, so many various asset classes and for a beginner who is coming in the market Uh, what should be an optimum financial plan for him uh, for investment and uh, and as we say the early we start the better it is so how compounding you know makes a difference okay i'll give a financial plan for anybody who's started earning and who you know who just wants to get started with their finances i think the first point you know we've spoken a lot about investing the first major point before doing anything in terms of finance is to have a emergency fund so i'll give you my personal experience okay so uh, just two days back my laptop crashed and it stopped working and i have no idea what happened when i went to the repair guy he told me ki ye repair nahi ho sakta there's no point of repairing it and he said you should purchase a new one i mean i was A bit shocked because uh, currently all my money, majority of my money is invested in the market. Invested is just invested. So now, two years back, I started anyways building my emergency funds. And this is an emergency like situation for me because my laptop. In fact, for most of us, our laptop or personal computer is like the lifeblood. You know, we have all our data on it. We have all the things. So for me personally, I. Spend at least sixteen to seventeen hours in a day. In fact, my entire day goes into laptop only. Then there's video calls, in terms of talking to people, in terms of writing emails, or whatever work anything goes into laptop. So there's no laptop, there's no work for me. So for a person like me who has to now spend forty thousand rupees or forty thousand rupees in buying a new laptop, I have to dip into something called as an emergency fund. So emergency funds are the first first step. Towards, you know, your personal plans goes. If you don't have an emergency fund, you, you can't reach anywhere. Because there's a famous saying that "bura work kabi bol ke nahi aata." Yeah. That bura that bura work for me was my laptop crashing. There was somebody else who could be a death of somebody or a sudden medical emergency, or it could literally be anything. So emergency fund is the first step for uh, managing a personal plan. Then the second step. Depending on the age, if you have insurance and all that, again, insurance will depend on what is your age. If you have family and if you have dependents and all these kind of things, so you know, looking into these things, somebody should also take insurance. And then finally comes uh, the investment part, which I believe is the most important thing. Uh, talking about different uh, aspects that people can invest in, uh, like I already spoke about index funds a lot. I think uh, having a balance with debt issue funds is equally important for somebody who is just starting off. Uh, you having the exposure to equity is good, but equal exposure should be given to debt. It's not equal, but at least you know, let's say if somebody is young, at least twenty to thirty percent should be given to debt. So investing in debt issue funds is equally important in my opinion. So I think a beginner needs to keep these two points in mind. And uh, I think uh, the most important point for somebody who's young, okay, I mean I speak to a lot of youngsters, is that they spend a lot of money. Okay, now I'm young myself, so I can tell you that people like to spend money. So developing the habit of not having to want to spend a lot of money is also equally important. Because you know, when you're young, you go out with your friends, or if, you know, you have a girlfriend, you go out with a girlfriend on a date. People like to, you know, uh, spend a lot of money partying, going to clubs. Everyone has a different lifestyle, so uh, you need to cut down on your uh, spending a lot. Cutting down on spending is very important. Doesn't matter who you, but yeah, cutting down on spending is very, very important. It's a very underrated thing, but uh, especially youngsters, it's very important. So, uh, I'd, uh, I'd like to opinion on diversification. So now, now we have said that. Retailers should have a 
decent exposure to that so uh, i have a question like you know uh, all the legendary investors your warren buffett or your rakesh nimala they have said that all the portfolios are concentrated and they have many times advised investors to also you know not over diversify just concentrate your portfolio into equities and over the long term you will you know beat the market and get amazing returns so what's your opinion on that should the retailers you know follow the advice or they will they should properly diversify their uh, their positions and yeah okay so proceed uh, speaking i have a concentrated portfolio i don't have a diversified portfolio i personally have a okay. concentrated portfolio because to be honest i spend a lot of time in these things so you are somebody who spends a lot of time who knows all these things in and out you can have a concentrated portfolio and like you mentioned clearly the concentrated portfolio over a long period of time definitely gives you better returns definitely outperforms the market but does yeah. everybody have the time to put the concentrated portfolio the reason we diversify is to reduce our risk but you should over diversify i'm sure you might have read about peter lynch where he says you should over diversify this is the word words not the other words is fine yeah a quotation so on words yeah so you should be diversified you should have enough diversification you should lead your financial but if you're somebody who can get into and you know put in your efforts and build a concentrated portfolio then you should do that no doubt no problem but make sure you reach a financial goals so that's to concentration concentrated portfolio or to diversify But it is a simple rule of thumb. If you have the time, go for a concentrated portfolio. If you have the knowledge, go for a concentrated portfolio. But most times, it's better to have a diversification. Also, you know, the definition of diversification and concentration is different for different people. Okay, there are some people who just have ten to fifteen stocks in their portfolio. There are some people who have thirty to forty stocks. And I read recently that Peter Lynch had some one thousand five hundred stocks in his portfolio. Yeah, yeah, fifteen hundred. So, yeah, so everyone has a different definition. Now, maybe Peter Lynch had the I don't know had the time or had the whatever knowledge or to handle so many companies at once. Maybe I wouldn't have that time. So I would have ten to fifteen uh, set of quick stocks. But again, it depends on individual situation. But it's better to. Uh, for your diver, to diversify your portfolio, and diversify your portfolio. By, by diversifying a portfolio, what I mean to say is not just diversifying in your stock portfolio. Okay, having a bit in debt if you can is very important. It's not just all in stock market. Maybe I'm sure you can go all in stock market, but as you grow in life, right, you want to see a bit of safety as well, not just high return. So having that balance is very important. So, uh, as we are on the topic of diversification, uh, it would be a crime not to mention Ray Dalio. So, what Ray Dalio says is, you need to diversify through uh, business, through, through businesses, through asset classes, and through geography. So, I want to get your opinion on the last part, so diversification through geography, and you know, and different asset classes. So, right now, Indian market is getting very interesting because. we uh, we are we are uh, you can say adding new products to our uh, market like the international fund and the reit and uh, other uh, other private other classes like private equity so uh, i just want to hear on your opinion on you know what do you think this uh, the addition will add to will it be in the benefit of the investors or Will it, you know, cause more harm because the risk is higher in the private equity space, or if you don't understand international markets properly because the business cycles are a little different, they are not always in sync with ours. So, uh, what do you think on that? In my opinion, if somebody has the right knowledge, okay, you should be investing in it. Maybe not directly, okay. Investing directly into international stocks is a bit risky. But like you mentioned, there are mutual funds which a very an investor can invest. I think there's a Nasdaq, there's a Nasdaq fund, and there's a S and P fund as well. If I'm not wrong, so there are international mm-hmm. funds to which uh, individuals can invest in. Uh, I think if there's somebody who wants international exposure to the portfolio, that will be important. That it, it, 
good to have international exposure to these mutual funds. Investing directly in stocks is honestly a bit risky. And again, it really depends on individual to individual. Uh, if you ask me personally, I have invested a bit of money into international stocks, but that is like very, very small amount. So I'm not aware if you know what to also know, but in US side, uh, you can also do fraction investing. So you don't need to buy an entire share. You can buy, buy like mm-hmm. half or a quarter of a share or in percentage points, investment points. So, yeah, I mean, if you have the risk, it's all about risk. The end of the day, it all boils down to one uh, one word, that is risk. If you can take the risk, you should take the risk. So, diversifying, stick with geography, diversifying upon geography, I personally feel that somebody who has the knowledge to go all in, not all in, but should have some part of the portfolio in international stocks. But if you don't know what you're going to do, don't know how to you know, invest a lot and all, we can invest uh, in mutual funds, Indian mutual funds which have exposure in, in the international markets. And uh, international is one thing, and we also have REIT, like you mentioned, we have the talk of the town, Bitcoin, and all these things. I personally haven't uh, invested in REIT, so I, can't, I wouldn't speak much about REIT. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think even RDIT is a, is a good diversification tool. Uh, and uh, Bitcoin is as well, you know. Uh, a lot of people, there's a lot of debate in terms of Bitcoin, which is not invest in Bitcoin. I feel there is no harm in crime. But again, you know, I mean, yeah. individuals should be open. There's somebody who, who really likes to learn a lot. I'm somebody who really likes to learn a lot. Likes to experiment in every aspect of life. Not because to return returns. I just like to experiment because I want to know how the asset class works, what is the returns, what is, what is the risk. So, you know, for somebody like me who likes to do all these things, invest, but make sure you invest in a very small part of the portfolio. So, even if you lose that money, you know, then should be regret. If end of the day it is your hard earned money, these things will be doing it up anyway. So, try in different asset classes, try what is comfortable with you. And I mean, today we are in 2021. Maybe the next 10 years, we'll have many more asset classes. Probably have another 10, 15, or 100 cryptocurrencies which come out. Probably have, today we have REIT. Maybe there'll be a different way to invest in real estate. So there's going to be a lot of options in the future. So make sure you think and invest. Uh, but main point is never invest in all these Ponzi schemes. Any schemes which offer you a guarantee with guaranteed returns and guaranteed high returns within like yeah. you know, 21 days or 25 days or you know all these uh, scams still mm-hmm. these kind of things but the legit things like international companies international stocks international mutual funds bitcoins experiment, experiment with them make sure your allocation is very low to these uh, asset classes okay so uh, now that uh, we are at the very end of our podcast so uh, I would like to, you know, uh, I would like you to tell what books are you, you know, currently reading, and uh, maybe some recommendations of what whatever uh, books you like. Okay, so I would somebody uh, an absolute beginner. Okay, absolute beginner. The uh, first book I would suggest reading is uh, uh, Peter Lynch's One Up on Wall Street. It's a brilliant book, and that's the first ever book that I've honestly read. Uh, to be very frank with you, I was never into reading books. I honestly like video content. So that was the first book I genuinely completed. And from there on, I started reading a lot of books. So the first thing is you should be reading One Up and Watch by Peter Lynch. That's a must-read. The second book you should be reading is The Psychology of Money by Morgan Hotel. That's another fantastic read. Uh, then you can move on to more uh, complex books like The Intelligent Investor and uh, you could move on to books like uh, The Thunder Investor. These books are pretty quality books. And as you develop your you know, better sense, uh, you, you should be reading books on specific companies and how these founders build the company. So yesterday, I ordered a few books. Okay, I ordered the CEO factory. I ordered uh, how Uber Quota builds over time. I've ordered the revolution of HDFC Bank, and I've also ordered the book uh, on how uh, Mariwala built Marico. So as you grow, as you grow into understanding stock market, make sure you read uh, books which are company specific and how the founders have 
Thank you for tuning in and happy investing.